Y'all had me convinced there would no, be no slow clap. I was excited, but alas, it happens again. Guys, uh, as Katie said, I am indeed Sean McEntee. Um, Katie, wherever you are, thank you. You're up there. I can't see you. Thank you. I am always grateful when someone introduces me because then it means I have to spend less time talking about myself. Um, but what did you guys think of last week, Jordan talking about temptation? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Do you guys ever, like, hear a message and wish you had heard it before you had done something dumb? Yes? Uh, that was exactly how I feel. I wish I would have heard his sermon one week before I did something. Um, we were at Charles's birthday party, and, birthday dinner, and we were talking about the first time I ever met Charles, and I was wearing a very ridiculous T-shirt, and uh, that was his first impression of me. And as we're laughing about it, Katie Sombrio looks at me and she says, Hey, Sean, what are the odds that you wear that when you preach? And I was tempted to take this gamble. And I wish I would have heard Jordan's sermon because I ended up taking it and losing. So I am wearing, let me... Uh, This was a t-shirt I wore. So, you guys can take pictures. My beautiful wife is bearing this load with me because I also bought her one. So, if you see her, she's got it on as well. Uh, we will take pictures afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, you guys are welcome to remember me as the guy who wore a pug shirt. But more than that, I pray that tonight you would walk away seeing a bigger picture of Jesus and so, we are now in our third week of a series on the person of Jesus and who he is and why we think he is a big deal. And I get the privilege of talking something about something that I absolutely love, which is Jesus as a teacher. If you know me, you know I love learning. And so I've titled my sermon today, Jesus, a teacher unlike all others. Now, when I think about teachers, I think about all the different school teachers I ever had. And I think about my favorite teacher, which was Mr. De La Rosa. And this is him. This is a picture of him on the right. And Mr. De La Rosa was my AP literature teacher in my senior year of high school. And this dude was literally the best teacher I ever had, as well as being a really goofy, ridiculous guy. I remember, I still remember where his class was in my building. I remember how he had his class set up. I remember the things on his desk, like... He was, it was crazy. So he used to set up, um, or he had his desk set up at the back so that when we took tests, he could watch us. And it's like terrifying taking a test when you can't see the teacher because you know you can't look around because he sees you. And then I think about his desk. He had, so he had, you know those Hulk hands where you like put your hands in them, right? And he had shoved a pencil into the foam, and then he would grade your test with the Hulk hand. And if he didn't like it, he would take the other one and he would smash it. And then when you got your test back, if you saw it, it was all crinkled. You're like, oh, crap, I, did. I didn't do good, right? Or he had, like, those glasses that, like, you know, with the eyes that come out, and he had gifts from his students. But my favorite thing that he had was a pristine, unopened box of an action figure of Jesus. I've literally never seen an action figure. I'm pretty sure it had, like, attachable miracles. You know, like, it was ridiculous. But the worst thing, the absolute worst thing was that when you would take, right before we took our test, he would look at us and he'd go, and remember, Jesus is watching you. And it was like, well, 
dang it. (laughs) Right? Like, he was utterly ridiculous, but he was the best teacher I ever had, and he taught me things that are still applicable to my life eight years later. He taught me things like how to analyze literature and look at it not only in in writing, but also in movies. He taught me things like how to appreciate prose and poetry and the differences between them. I never thought I would think that was interesting. He taught me how to write effectively, which ended up leading me to win three different writing awards in college, one that had some money and gave me a desire to even want to write for the future, right? Write books and stuff. He, it, it, it was so cool to think about what he was doing. He was actually, when I think about my walk with God, he was equipping me and preparing me before I ever knew God. I, I, I think about some of the things. I was being trained to read and understand literature, which gave me an advantage in understanding the Bible when I came in as a freshman. I was being equipped to think critically and to see different viewpoints than my own, which was monumental to me as a small group leader. And then I was being trained to effectively use my words to communicate with lasting effect, to which even now, eight years later, I'm talking right now. These are things that Mr. De La Rosa taught me. He was the best teacher I ever had. He, and, and the reason he was so good is because he loved what he taught. And in turn, I fell in love with the things that he loved. He had won my heart to literature. He had won my heart as a teacher. And he had won the place in my heart of being the best school teacher I've ever had. No questions asked. And yet, little did I know that just four short months later, I would come face to face with a teacher who was unlike any other. Mr. De La Rosa and other teachers have paled in comparison to this teacher. And who this teacher, you ask? It might be simple. It was the action figure on his desk. It was Jesus. I encountered Jesus. And in encountering him, I had found that he was a teacher unlike all others. Not only as a teacher, but also in his teachings. They were different than anything else in history. Rudy De La Rosa was the best teacher I've ever had, but he could not hold a candle to this man, Jesus. And it's, and it's not just him either. Every other teacher, the most venerated and, and time immemorial teachers, the people who have been called the greatest, cannot compare to Jesus. Aristotle, Socrates, Confucius, Buddha, Muhammad, Isaac Newton, Mahatma Gandhi, Albert Einstein, Stephen Hawking, none compare to Jesus. In fact, Jesus was so other and so different that one man who saw him in his own lifetime said, no man ever spoke as this man. And today still people say, no man ever spoke as this man. As a teacher, there has never been another like Jesus. And in his teachings, there have never been words uttered like his. But what, you ask or think, what was it that made Jesus different? What was it about him that was different? What made him different than all other teachers? Were there not other great teachers in history, both secular and religious? And what makes his teachings so beyond anything else? Were there not other teachers that had teachings as grand as his? Why, we must ask, is Jesus different? Well, that's what we're going to figure out tonight. We're going to look at why this man Jesus was so unlike anyone else. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. We're going to look at the Word of God to see what it has to say about Jesus. So our passage tonight is Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. 
And uh, it'll be up on the screens, so you can follow along if you don't have your Bible. And so it says this, The same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. And at this point, he goes to tell the parable of the sower, but we're not going to go into that tonight. So jump down to verse 10, and it says, Then the disciples came to him and asked, Master, why do you speak to the people in parables? And in verse 13, Jesus gives his answer. He says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus, would you reveal to us what you want to speak tonight? Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, God, and speak to us. We need you. Speak through me, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. So what we're looking at tonight is Jesus as a teacher, Jesus and his teachings, and why Jesus is so unlike all others. So we start by looking at him as a teacher. And the reason we do this is because with anyone in a position of authority, you got to make sure they're not a nut job, right? you got to make sure they're not a hypocrite. Because if their character doesn't check out, well, you don't really need to listen to what they have to say. So then, what type of teacher was Jesus? How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes, great move, Bueller. I have a friend who goes to Chick-fil-A and says his name is Bueller, and then just doesn't, when they call his name, he just stands there. And it's like, oh my gosh. But I'm going to show you guys a clip from the movie of the exact opposite type of teacher <laughs> that Jesus was. And so it'll be up here on your screen. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the, anyone, anyone, the Great Depression, passed the, anyone, anyone, a tariff bill, the Hawley-Smoot Tariff Act, which anyone raised or lowered, raised tariffs in an effort to collect more revenue for the federal government. Did it work? Anyone? Anyone know the effects? It did not work, and the United States sank deeper into the Great Depression. Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone seen this before? The Laffer Curve. Anyone know what this says? It says that at this point on the revenue curve, you will get exactly the same amount of revenue as at this point. This is very controversial. Does anyone know what Vice President Bush called this in 1980? Anyone? Something D-O-O -O economics. Voodoo economics. What a boring teacher, right? Okay, be honest. How many of you had teachers that are like, they put you to sleep? And then how many of you was it a class where it was like, I can't sleep in this class because I'm going to fail? The only D I ever got in college, I had a teacher like that. And it, oh, Miss Ketchum. 
She had Ash Ketchum's last name for Pokemon fans. <laughs> um, now, the reason that I show you guys this video is because as I look at it, there are some very obvious things that I pick out why this teacher is so bad. And there's three main things about him that are bad. The first is that he's totally unengaging in his delivery. The second is that he's completely unaware of his audience. And the third is that he's utterly uninspired as to what he taught. He was so unengaging as a teacher, that people were literally falling asleep and drooling on themselves. He was so unaware of his audience, he could not even see anyone, anyone. Like, no one was responding. He's not aware of his audience. And he was so uninspired that I don't even think people who like economics would enjoy that class. Like, I kind of enjoy economics, and that was boring, right? It, it, he, is, he was the model for what worse teachers always are. And it is by his bad teaching example that we see why Jesus is so good in contrast. You see, unlike the economics teacher, Jesus was the most engaging of teachers. Jesus knew his audience better than they even knew themselves. And Jesus wasn't just passionate about what he taught. He actually lived it. You see, Jesus was the most engaging teacher because he employed the greatest teaching method there is, which is storytelling. Jesus told stories. Now, some of you are like, hey, man, I've got better teaching methods. Listen, go and ask a historian. They're, literally, their name has story in it, historian, right? And they will tell you the power of a story. Historians know the power because just think of the great, the great things that we have to study throughout time. We've got the Greek and Roman mythologies that tell of Greek and Rome, Greece and Rome's plights here on earth. Or think about the Egyptians who left us hieroglyphs literally telling their stories in picture form. Or ask an archaeologist what was man like or what was it like before man and he'll tell you stories from the bones of dinosaurs and woolly mammoths. The greatest things from history are taught to us in story form. And we also learn best from stories in our own classes, right? Whether you're a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, an engineer, a businessman, it's so much better when you have this idea in a textbook and you apply it to real life, i.e. a story. It clicks. It becomes real, right? We learn best from stories. We actually love stories so much that we spend hundreds of hours watching TV shows and movies because we love stories. We sit around campfires and living rooms at restaurants or at bars telling stories of our lives, listening to the stories of others. In fact, we, we listen to stories as kids, right? But now, today, we have stories on Instagram and Snapchat because we simply love stories. They, they, the reason why, though, if you think about why, is because they are what stick best in our head. We remember stories. No one remembers anything that that guy said, but you're going to remember the story of him being so boring, right? And Jesus knew the power of stories, and he used them. But he didn't just use them. He was the master of them. The stories and parables of Jesus that have been with us for 2,000 years are considered to be some of the greatest stories ever told. Thinking about the prodigal son. Thinking about the parable of the sowers, the very one that, that was in our passage tonight. Jesus told stories as a teacher. And you see, Jesus was an engaging teacher by his use of stories, but he wasn't just engaging. There are some teachers, there are some people that are really good at telling stories, but you don't get anything else from them, right? Jesus wasn't like that. He was smart. Jesus knew his audience, and he always knew how to speak best to them. To illustrate what I mean, I look at three groups that he was most often found teaching. 
The first was the masses. The second was the Pharisees or the religious leaders. And the third was his disciples. With the masses, Jesus almost exclusively told stories. And this was because they were often simpler people, less educated, less informed. And so he spoke to them at their level, talking about plants and trees and sheeps and bread. But when he goes and talks to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, he's almost exclusively using Scripture along with these stories. And the reason was, was not just because he was trying to prove them wrong, but because he knew that to them the Scriptures were the most important thing. So he said, if I'm going to teach them, if I'm going to talk to them, I've got to speak at their level, right? Or then you think about the disciples, and to them he expounded and taught more to them that's, that's part of the reason why we have the gospel. And it was simply because they gave him the most time. Jesus knew his audience, and he knew how to speak best to them. So he was engaging. He knew his audience. But more than all of that, Jesus taught what he lived. Now, pay attention closely to how I say that. It's, it's very important. Because many people want to live what they teach, right? They aspire to live up to what they teach, but Jesus always taught what he already lived. Jesus never asks someone or teaches someone to do what he has said. He always asks and teaches them to do what he's already done. He never taught a denial of self without denying himself first. He never taught love towards one's enemies without loving his enemies. He never taught men how to pray without first praying. Jesus always taught what he already lived. He was engaging, he knew his audience, and he taught what he lived. And as you think about some qualities of a good teacher, and you say, does Jesus meet the standard of character and method? And the answer would be a resounding yes. He is not a hypocrite. He is not a nut job. But does this alone make him different? Were there not other teachers who taught like him? Were there not other teachers who told stories like him? Are there not even teachers today who know their audience as well as he does or who teach what they already live like he did? And the answer to this is also yes. So then what makes Jesus different? What makes him unlike all others? Well, we look next at his teachings. Now, we don't have time to go through all of his teachings comprehensively because we've had 2,000 years and we still haven't unpacked everything that he taught. But I do want us to look at a few of the distinctives of his teachings. The first major distinctive of the teaching of Jesus was that he often taught what was contrary to popular opinion and even seemingly contrary to reason and logic. Jesus taught things called paradoxes. Uh, he taught things like, when someone does wrong to you, do good back to them. If they slap you on the cheek, turn them the other cheek. If they extort services out of you, go above and beyond with them. If they try and take your possessions or your clothes, give them more than what they're trying to take. He was always teaching things that were very unpopular in his day and age. It was a tooth-for-tooth, eye-for-eye kind of culture, and he said, no. This is how you do it. Some of the other paradoxes that Jesus taught were if you want rest, you must work. If you want to be great, you must be a slave of all. If you want to save your life, 
you must lose it first. He taught things completely contrary to the teachings of his days and oftentimes things that seemed contrary to our very reason and logic. And yet, wisdom is always seen by its fruit. Another distinctive of the teachings of Jesus is that what he taught was often hard to hear and even sometimes offensive. He taught things like, if you want to have life, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. He taught things like, if you want to be my friend, you must hate your father and your mother and your sister and your brother and your wife and your husband. He taught that hell was a reality and that many people would spend eternity in hell. He taught things like, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto God what is God's, which means we do have to pay taxes. And if you've ever paid taxes, you know this is not fun. It is, can I get an amen who's paid taxes? Yes, it is. But Jesus said, right? Jesus said many things that were offensive and hard to hear. But he also said, blessed are you if you're not offended in me. Now, you may have noticed that I didn't qualify or explain any of these teachings. And the reason why is because of the most distinct aspect of Jesus' teaching, which is that in order to understand him, in order to understand his teachings, you must have a key. You must have a key, right? Without this key, we will not understand anything. We all need this key. If, if we don't have it, then all his teachings are, are going to be things that are lost to time. So what is this key? Where can we find this key to understand the teachings of Jesus? He tells us in his passage. In verse 13, it says, Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes and they have clo- their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their ears, eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Guys, for years, for years, I read this passage and I was like, I have no clue what he's saying. And then it was like, oh great, I'm the people that he's talking about, right? Like, What the heck? And then one day, Jesus revealed to me what he meant here. What Jesus is saying here is that if you come to God in order to learn, God will speak to you. But if you come to God full of pride and arrogance, you will only hear the fanciful stories of a rambling man. Jesus is telling his disciples that the reason he speaks in parables to everyone else is because they cannot and will not hear truth. They, it says in the passage they have, ca- they have calloused hearts. They hardly hear and that they have shut their own eyes. They have come with pride and arrogance and hear nothing more than stories. But then Jesus says to the disciples, but blessed are your eyes and your ears for they see and hear. The disciples could learn from Jesus because they followed him in humility and hunger. God says that if you want to hear from him, you must come humble and hungry. This is the key to understanding the teachings of Jesus. This is the way that he has ordained it, that you come 
with a humble heart. You come with an attitude that says, I don't know, but I want to. And I'm not going to pretend I have everything figured out. And I love this verse. I love this passage. And this will mean very much to some of you. What this statement of Jesus means is that you do not have to be smart to learn from God. You do not have to be naturally gifted or intellectually inclined to hear from Jesus. There are many people who feel inadequate as Christians because they don't feel like they know much. But Jesus is saying you don't have to be smart. God God loves to use foolish things and how often he uses foolish people. This is it is so beautiful. What he's saying is that we must come hungry. We must come humble if we are to hear from God. Now, some of you quicker thinkers, more adept thinkers in the room might already be thinking, well, wait, were there not other teachers who had similar teachings to Jesus? Were there not other teachers who taught things contrary to their times? Were there not other teachers who taught offensive and hard things? And were there not teachers who could only be understood as they humbled themselves before their master? And the answer, like before, is yes. There were and even still are other teachers who have similar methods to Jesus. There were and still are other teachers who have teachings that are just as distinct as Jesus's. And yet, Jesus is still unlike all of them. So what is it then that makes Jesus different? What is it about him that is so unique? Do you all want to know? Jesus reveals to us in his own words in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And the Bible says in John chapter 1 that the word of God, the truth of God, became flesh. Truth was manifest in human flesh. The word of God became incarnate. And the man, Jesus. You see, what makes Jesus so unlike all other teachers is that while every other teacher has claimed to have the truth, Jesus alone claims that he is the truth. While many teachers try to live up to the truth that they espouse, Jesus says, in my very being, I am truth. Truth, according to the Bible, is not a teaching. Truth is a person. And in the person of Jesus, the teacher and the teaching are one and the same. This is what makes Jesus different. This is why Jesus is unlike all others. And so the band, you guys can come up. And as they're coming up, you guys must see this. Listen, to make this claim that Jesus made means that only one of two things could be true. The first thing could be that he was wrong and that he was lying. Listen, if Jesus was lying about this claim to be the truth, then that means everything else he ever said was a lie. To make this paramount claim and then to lie about it means that he was a liar through and through. Or, if Jesus was right in saying that he's the truth and in fact was not a lie, then that means every other claim he said was true. And we must take them seriously. And it also means that other teachings and teachers are in fact wrong. 
You see, this claim to be truth and not just to have the truth has set Jesus so high above and so far apart from everyone else that he must be treated differently. Listen, no one has ever claimed what he claimed. No one else is the truth. Friends, I believe that Jesus is the truth. I believe that in him and in him alone we have access to real truth. But the only way to truth is not through a teaching, not just through your Bible, but it's through a person. It's through knowing a person. Many of you are new college students in this room, and many of you have been with us for going on five years now. And there are some of you here who before this semester in college, you, you've never heard the teachings of Jesus before. And much of what I'm saying to you is news to you. There are others of you who grew up hearing the name of Jesus much of your life, but you've never stopped and actually considered what it is he said. There are others of you still who grew up and you've heard the teachings and you've read them and you've been baffled and you just thought, man, this is just, this is just stories to, to scare people into being good and to scare them out of hell. And there are others of you still who have read the words of Jesus and you consider yourself a pupil and a follower of his and yet, you still struggle with many of the hard things he says. That's, that's where I fall. But the craziest thing about each one of us, wherever we fall, the craziest thing, the most beautiful thing, is that if we want to hear this, the voice of God, we all come by the same way. Listen, if we want to hear more than just fanciful stories, if we want to understand the hard sayings of Jesus, if we want to hear the voice of God even for the first time, we come the same way. We come with humility and hunger. If we are arrogant and prideful and pretend we know it all, God will not speak to us. He speaks to those who are humble before him who is the truth. And he speaks to those who honestly want to hear from him. If you want to hear from God this year, this is how. If you want to learn from the teachings of Jesus, you must come to his feet humble and hungry. The question is, though, do you want this? Do you want to learn from Jesus? I know that I do. And so for our response tonight, it's going to be really simple. We're actually going to take an example from something that is very familiar to all of you, which is your classroom. When you guys are in class and you don't understand something and you need the teacher to help, what do you do? You raise your hand and then you ask, right? And what we're doing when we raise our hand in the classroom is telling everyone else, hey, I don't have it figured out and I need help. But then you actually have to speak. You can't just raise your hand and then the teacher is like, hello, and you don't say anything, right? You have to speak out your question. You have to make known what it is you're asking. We raise our hands and we ask. And so this is what we're doing as a response tonight. If you want to learn from Jesus this semester, if you want to learn from Jesus this year, if you want to learn from Jesus for the rest of your life, then we're going to put our hands up and we're going to, whether one hand or both, and we're going to say, Jesus would you teach me? Jesus, I want to learn from you. And say it 
where people can hear you. Who cares if the person next to you thinks that you said it loud? Listen, don't come prideful. Don't come with a critical spirit. He won't speak to you. He wants those who are humble. Those are the people he speaks to. So right now, before we start singing, you can stay seated. If you want to learn from Jesus, then put your hand up, and would you say, Jesus, I want truth. Jesus, would you speak to me? You guys just do it now if you want Jesus to speak to you. Worship team as well. Jesus, I want to learn from you. Jesus, would you speak to me? Jesus, humble me and make me hungry. This response tonight is not something that we only do tonight. This is the response of all those who learn from Jesus. If you think about your heroes in the faith, this is why they're your heroes, because they do this, whether physically or in their hearts. They put a hand up, and they say, Jesus, I don't understand. And I'm just going to give you a little secret, guys. For the rest of your life, you will have questions. For the rest of your life, there will be things that you do not understand about God. But do you know what you do when you don't understand? You raise a hand in humility, and you ask the one who is truth, and let him speak to you. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray right now, tonight, you would speak to us. God, I pray as we go home and we open our Bibles and we say, Jesus, would you speak to us, that you would. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, God. Give us a desire and a hunger. God, desire comes by first seeing when it comes to you, Jesus. So would you give us desire? Speak to us, Jesus, whether for the first time or for the thousandth, would you speak to us tonight? We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your precious and holy name.